five. Loading. Four. It's a sharing up. And so sorry. Three. Almost there. Two. Cross. And Dempsey is denied again. And Donovan is gone. Oh, can you believe this? One. Here we go. Now. Introducing Sunday League Finest Podcast with your host, David Donis and Roberto O.B. Hernandez. In a world where the U.S. <laughs> does not qualify, this is Sunday League's Finest. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of Sunday League's Finest. We're here. We're energized. I'm ready to get going. A little bit disappointed about the weekend, but... We'll get into that later on. David, say what's up to everybody. Everybody's missing your sexy voice. Let's get it. <laughs> You're energized? I'm depressed, man. <sighs> I kind of got over it. Um, not over it, but uh, you get what I mean. It's it's you, you it happens. It, it, it happens and we just gotta let move on with our lives, you know? Yeah. And uh we'll get into it later on in the podcast, but obviously we're talking about the US not qualifying for the Olympics. Um Again, <laughs> everybody was thinking it was Canada, bro. Come on, yeah, everyone whatever, thought we were man. depressed about Canada. No, but yeah, I mean, like we said, we'll get into it later on. But I mean, other than that, David, other than that disappointment, how was your weekend? Anything good? Anything exciting? Yeah, I didn't do much, but you know, watch a whole lot of soccer. It was it was really cool that because we were like deprived so long of international soccer, so you got all of it like within like uh, you know a good week and a half span of just soccer back to back from CONCACAF to UEFA so it was so much fun just having games every day it felt really nice yeah no I agree uh it's definitely something different being on the international stage right and I mean a lot of those games were meaningful games which was a special thing right not just friendlies and I'm a firm believer though that I I I don't know in my opinion I don't think even though it's labeled as a friendly I think international games are never friendly because it's a chance to represent your country and play with pride and a lot of those guys it's their first call-ups you know second call-ups you know so I I I mean personally if I would was ever called up to that level I think I wouldn't take it lightly even if it was a friendly well it it is funny you say that because when uh, uh, Mexico is playing well it's a friendly right but you can see Wales was taking it to the corner flag, even though it's a friendly game. They're like, we want to make sure we win this game. You got to win, dude. FIFA rankings. FIFA rankings matter. No kidding. Uh, but, yeah, other than soccer, I watched um, the last blockbuster on Earth, uh, which is kind of funny because I was watching it on Netflix. Uh, but it's pretty cool. <laughs> the documentary is literally the last blockbuster in uh, in uh, Oregon. And it's still I'm operational. Yeah, yeah, it's the very last one, and it's still got the old setup. So it's a pretty cool story. It goes, it goes into like the whole history of Blockbuster, how they became big, and pretty much how they fell. And uh, you know, a, kind of a spoiler, not really, but it, it, it really wasn't Netflix's fault. Like they were, comp- they were like a competitor, but there was still a chance for Blockbuster. So I won't reveal how they failed in it not being attributed to Netflix, but uh, it was a pretty cool um, nostalgic documentary for all of us that grew up going to blockbuster on the weekend you know i think we all miss it yeah definitely i mean i i kind of saw the title on netflix so i'll definitely have to take a look but there was nothing like you know friday night movie night right we talked about it the other day you you would go get your popcorn your snacks um the pizza and just looking forward to it all day long but now i mean we pretty much watch <laughs> movies 24 7 yeah. yeah it's not that special yeah it was so cool man it was so much fun Good old days, right? Now we sound like old farts. Dude, well, trying to convince somebody to rent a movie you've already seen before, <laughs> they're like, why are we going to pay money to see it? And you're like, because it's so good. And now you can just watch it again on Netflix like 20,000 times. Yeah, I know the funny thing is you like walking a blockbuster. And like me, I was a big horror movie fan. So I wanted, always wanted to check out like a horror movie. And then you would just be like, you would really judge like, you know, you judge a book by its cover. You judge a movie by its cover. Yeah, so you'd be like, this one. This one looks good, and then you pop it in. It's like the worst horror movie ever. It's got like the stupidest plot line, and people just like, I don't know, like feet popping out of their eyeballs and stuff, like the dumbest thing you could think of. Dude. And now, you know, on Netflix, we just we look at the reviews, we look online, see what people are saying before we check it out. 
There was one movie that me and my cousin Michael watched. It's called on Netflix, so Zombiever. We knew from like the first five seconds it was gonna be one of those dumb horror movies, but we still watched it, dude. Till this day, we talk about it, dude. That that we we literally not not even like jokingly had it in the background. Like, no, we had our phones away. We watched this movie, Zombiever, dude. You can guess it's it. Like, Just a bunch uh, of zombie beavers running around. It's like Sharknado, man. It's so bad. It's good. What are they like? Sharknado Ten already. Yeah, but yeah, probably. That's crazy. That's but crazy. What else? What else did you do this weekend, man? Did you did you watch some interest, interesting stuff or just chill? Um, no, I I uh, was helping out running a soccer league, so my weekend definitely was full of soccer. Went from running a, a kid soccer league, a youth soccer league, to coming home and watching Guatemala, you know, in the World Cup qualifiers. Guatemala. Um, but overall, it's just a weekend full of soccer and watching Francis Ngannou literally destroy Stipe. Oh, heck yeah. That man. was insane. Uh, yeah, and now that John Jones running card. like a little girl. He's not running, bro. He wants that money. He wants that paper, son. Yeah, he should have thought about that before he destroyed his own image. Yeah, but that was a, it was a really good fight card. I enjoyed it. John Jones is looking up uh, uh, Conor McGregor workshops, how to build a brand. <laughs> <laughs> and and Godu has a good story, too. He, if you listen to uh, the Joe Rogan uh, podcast, he talked about how he pretty much escaped from Cameroon and made his, himself all the way up to, to France and everything he had to go through. So yeah. It's I think pretty they, crazy to think about that. I think they yeah. said in the first fight leading up, he was training. He was homeless while training and doing all that. So it's pretty crazy. What a beast, man. That's, you guys could do everything if you just set your mind to, except for the U.S. men's uh, Olympic qualifying team. This is, this is now a motivational <laughs> podcast. If you believe it, you can do it. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. It's if you can believe it, you can achieve it, bro. Come on. Uh, bro, have you, have you heard of Trademark? You got to change it up. Come on. <laughs> yeah, but yours sucks. Ain't nobody going to buy into that. Hey, hey, all of our listeners around the world, they're definitely going to listen to it. Hey, we have a good following in France. Shout out, shout out to our, our French <laughs> followers. Um, no, for real, really appreciate you guys. Uh, continue to like, subscribe. But I know you guys are annoyed of our lives. I just let David talk about his all the time, but it's not anything exciting. But getting into it, David, we'll talk more about your favorite pastime, Atlanta United, dude. How's it been being a fake fan? Shut the hell up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, so, uh, some uh, sort of big news. I think you'll you'll like this. Stephen Glass, uh, he was the Atlanta United two coach, and then he he took over as interim coach when Frank DeBoer got the boot. So he's been uh, promoted to the coach of uh, the head coach of Scottish club Aberdeen, which is our affiliation. Um, so that's pretty cool, man. Props to him, and I think you're gonna appreciate that he kind of went about it the right way. Yeah, no, I think it's it's. I saw that the other day, and it, exactly, dude. Everybody calls me a hater that. Um, I get mad when a bunch of coaches uh, skip the line just because of their playing career. And don't get me wrong, obviously, a playing career is great. It's important. But there's a whole different aspect to it from coaching and playing, you know. Um, and not that they're not capable of it, but they need to go through, you know, coaching and, and being able to adapt before they take on a Premier League team or a Bundesliga team or something like that. So, you know, hats off and congrats to Steven Glass. Uh, hopefully he does well out there. Yeah, hopefully he succeeds, and who knows? Maybe he might be able to compete with uh, Celtic and Rangers. You never know. With Stevie G. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, some we had uh, two preseasons. We played against Chattanooga FC. Um, we scored three goals, and Joseph finally scored. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, Eric Lopez is turning out to be a pretty good player, cre- creating a lot of chances and assisting on a lot of the goals and. Uh, we had another preseason um, against Birmingham, uh, barely won one zero. So uh, the thing that really sucks though is like all, all these, both these games weren't streamed. So I think a lot of the Atlanta United fans were bummed because we literally found out like two, three hours before the Birmingham FC game that it wasn't going to be streamed. So I don't know why the reason, what the reasoning was behind that, but that's pretty lame. Yeah. Um, well, a lot of it. Fix. A lot of it is that coaches want behind the doors, right? They don't want anything getting out there. They want to try a bunch of different things, different formations that, quote unquote, they don't want their opponents scouting them. Um, I think it's kind of dumb, but um, yeah, that's part of the reason they don't live stream all the games. 
Yeah, I, I get that. I get that too. And the weird thing is that, you know, we have Ale Valencia coming up for the Champions League and that this is our last preseason before that game. So it's kind of it's a weird approach that we're we're literally playing division two teams leading up to our Champions League opener. So I would think we would want better competition than that. Yeah, maybe maybe because uh, of COVID, it's kind of been hard uh, to get like other teams maybe traveling in or something like that. Maybe the travel restrictions. But yeah, yeah it's so interesting. Let's just go down to Orlando. You can go to Orlando and play anybody. That's they had, true. You know they had, quali- they had qualifiers in Orlando this past week. Yeah, yeah, in uh, in Miami Stadium as well, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's pretty crazy to see that. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're like every time you're watching the qualifier, you're like, where are they playing that? Because nobody's playing like at their at home. Their home stadium, yeah. Or- yeah. Well, USA has been, it's weird because we've been playing overseas, right? Playing um, uh, at the stadium in Austria. I think a lot of international teams have been using that stadium. It's not a bad stadium for being, I think they said it's like second division or third division in Austria. It's a pretty nice stadium. Yeah, it, it's just, it's kind of funny though because everybody's like, all right, let's take COVID seriously. But everybody wants to play international soccer. So they're like, we're going to go to the countries that have allowed it to play, to play friendly, uh, to play games against people. So it's kind of interesting. So you're like finding all the countries that like allow you to play there. Yeah, yeah. Because no, your own, because your own country won't. Oh, although USA plays outside, but then other teams play here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but but I think that that's more of us just getting that experience. Uh, but anyways, man, what's going on with Galaxy? And you uh, have on yet? Yeah, yeah, clearly, uh they had a game over the weekend, preseason game versus New England. Um, they ended up winning one nothing. I guess the big headline of the story um was jonathan bond the new goalkeeper for galaxy looks like he he had himself a good game and it looks like our so far you know in the couple games that our goalkeeping dilemma is kind of finding a solution i'm not gonna you know say oh it's 100 percent, but it looks like uh, a lot better than david bingham so that's some good things dude. that's some good things i mean even you were better than david bingham dude and you suck uh i was a de- hey i used to love playing goalkeeper sometimes Dude, like strikers this. always play goalkeeper, and <laughs> goalkeepers always play strikers during uh, uh, practice or messing around. So, so it's like nobody can score, but then also goals go in from all over the place. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Shoot from anywhere. As long as it's not in their general vicinity, it's going to go in. And guess what position nobody ever wants to play? Defense, Defense bro. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it's true, yeah. but now but now a lot of players do want to play outside back because, you know, in the modern game, they're basically wingers going forward yeah. all the time. But yeah, I, I think I wonder who gets thrown into that position, right? Or the stigma that freaking all the goalkeepers are fat, bro. You go to Sunday League and all the goalkeepers are out of shape, but then you look at the professional ranks and college ranks, they're some of the fittest players on the team, dude. Uh, you got to be fit yeah. to play goalkeeper, dude. Uh, not take the fat kid and just throw him in goal. Yeah, but but at the same time, like if you're not playing like soccer anymore, like serious soccer, like why would you stay in shape as a goalkeeper? <laughs> I'm in great shape, so I just do it for <laughs> yeah. morality. <laughs> I got a family picture that says otherwise. <laughs> hey, that 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 one's photoshopped. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna post it on our on our Facebook stupid, page. Stupid shirt. <laughs> I don't um, look like anything, that. Anything, anything else? Galaxy news? Yeah, just uh, we have five MLS uh, Cup titles. How many do you have? Yeah, hey, we got one. Hey, that's true. More than uh, our <laughs> LA counterparts, LAFC, who, by the way, I, I guess just announced their new partnership. Uh, it's called like Flex. So instead of the big old YouTube sign on their jersey, now they have Flex. Um, so, so they don't have YouTube anymore? It, it doesn't look like it on that jersey. So I don't know if they're, I haven't read into it much, but I don't know if they're like changing their broadcasting partner because they were, um, their home channel was on YouTube TV or if it was just a jersey swap. Mm, that's interesting because it seemed like YouTube was uh, YouTube was a pretty big, pretty big sponsor. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting. I don't know what that company Flex is, but Atlanta United. Did they get or any new YouTube. sponsors? Well, we have our just our regular T-shirt sponsor, um, American Family Insurance, but we also got like a, a new sleeve sponsor. So it's yeah. got AT and T right there. All the so that's pretty teams. Cool. Yeah, soon we're gonna oh. be like the Guatemalan teams, dude. Where you can't even tell dude. their their logo because all the freaking sponsors and, and, and not and not even you don't even have to go to the the freaking south american teams look at freaking chelsea that number three on the jersey that's hideous dude i know for a while i was like why is everybody wearing the number three like that's actually that thing is so it's so ugly dude it doesn't matter what you do to the rest of the jersey it's almost like minnesota like target's a cool sponsor oh, but as long yeah. as you got that big old target in the middle of you 
It doesn't matter what you do, the jersey. It's gonna dude, look ugly. It's because that's that's how they chest trap the ball. They know where to <laughs> receive it, dude. <laughs> yeah, Coach, coaching staff is genius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty smart. Like remember that? Remember on your shoe you had a little, uh, little. Thing oh, the, the little strap, <laughs> dude! I, re- I I had completely forgotten about those until you said it, dude. What is it called? Like the hot spot or yeah, something? Yeah, it was a. It was only kids that played AYSO though. <laughs> <laughs> their hey, or their their headbands, bro, that they would wear. It's like it's like when you go play pickups. <laughs> when you go play pickup ball, if the dude that shows up in a full Chelsea kit or Arsenal kit or Chivas kit, whatever it may be, full kit, head Trash. to toe, you know he's Trash. garbage. The dude that's taking off his work boots and putting on his cleats yeah, and playing with jeans, he's going to tear you up. Dude, I saw this guy, and he, he just got done working construction, and he had, like, these army pants on, <laughs> work boots, freaking over here, just, just crossing people up, scoring goals. And I'm like, that's the guy you got to watch out for. Yep, 100%. Um, <laughs> all right, dude. Going into a little bit more of the MLS. All right, what do you think? NYCFC. We crack jokes about their stadium all the time. They found a solution. It's to play games at Red Bull Arena. Like, Genius. dude. How do you... Genius, bro. I understood, like, when they did it for the CCL. Well, I didn't even understand. But they did it for the CCL, like, temporary. They needed to find a stadium, whatever it may be. But how can you consistently play at your rival stadium, dude? It's literally called Red Bull Arena. Like, I don't know. Go play at Cosmo's Little Stadium or something. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I was like, you literally like you as a New York FC fan or a club, you can't you can't talk any more shit to the Red Bulls. Like, there's no way you, you're playing in our stadium. Like, you can't talk any kind of jug. It's pretty embarrassing. What would you would you rather play in LAFC stadium or some random college stadium around LA? I'd rather play at the freaking Sunday League Park, bro. Like, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Like. That's well, awful. you you gotta you gotta think as a front office owner, like you still gotta make money. Okay, okay. But so I, as a front I office, think... I would I would find a, a a college stadium or, yeah, a college stadium would probably be a bit more beneficial. I mean, there's guys, especially. And I, think, I mean, I, I I guess you know New York, like real estate is is hard to come by. But uh, yeah, there's got to be a way you can make it work. If you were able to work out a deal with sharing a stadium with the Yankees. You could find another stadium to play in instead of Red Bull there's, Arena. There's got to be a ton of D2 uh, schools around there that have, like, you know, small football programs, right, that maybe sit, I don't know, 20,000 seat stadium, something like where Chattanooga plays, right? Chatt- uh, Chattanooga yeah. Stadium, it's pretty nice. There's got to be something. I just think, I don't know. I, don't, I think well, they didn't want to spend too COVID, much money. right? Yeah, yeah, I guess. So, they, they probably can't play New York State. In New but, I mean, York. Find another, find another stadium in New Jersey at least, man. Go play where the uh, Jets play or something. Yeah, I know. Ain't that crazy, dude? I want to go watch New York Red Bulls, but I watched them in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice arena, though. I'm not going to lie. Their stadium is actually really nice. I, I heard it's a nice arena, but I, I heard there's like... It's it's never like full. Oh, it's like 60 no. 60% but full. It was a pretty cool experience after the game we we rode the subway home and so we got a real New Yorkers experience. Dude, it's it's a little bit crazy but it was a fun some, experience. You saw some crazy you saw some crazy folks, didn't you? Yeah, of course, but it it was a little bit intimidating. Uh I didn't this time. Did you fall in love with the accents? Yeah, yeah, right. The Bronx accents are Something else, dude. <laughs> yeah, don't tell no, no goody, man. No uh, comment, no comment. Yeah. Hey, so uh I don't know if you saw this, but there's a recent article that came out about soccer analytics. So I wanted to just get your get your opinion on this because pretty much what this article is uh, insinuating that teams that have their own um hired soccer analytics person uh pretty much uh, are like at a higher level as a club than other levels. So, for example, some of the clubs that listed here that have their own uh, analytics pr- person: uh, Atlanta United, Austin FC, Chicago Fire, Colorado Rapids, which is pretty crazy that they have one. Columbus Crew, LAFC, Inter Miami, Nashville, New England Revolution, New York City FC, Red Bulls, Sounders, Toronto FC, Vancouver Whitecaps. So, I noticed somebody was missing. A club you might know, Galaxy. Uh, I know, and they still won five. 
No, but things things are changing though. You gotta say, hundred percent. I think it's very disappointing that, and I'm not trying to talk about this as a fan. Is when you go around Europe, I have you know friends and coaches who are involved in the game around the world. When you say North America, who do they think of? They think of Galaxy. When you say MLS, they think of Galaxy, right? So it's kind of embarrassing that we are considered one of the biggest clubs in the MLS, not just from a, a neutral standpoint, but yet. We don't have a scouting department for our first team. We don't have a whole analytical uh, analytics uh, group, you know, for our first team. I think that's something that's very important that needs to continue to go, you know, needs to change with the times, you know. Um, a kind of funny story that it's, it's kind of cool. It shows that like just continue to do your work and you kind of get noticed. Is the LAFC um, one of the analytical members on that team? Um, very nice guy he actually got discovered by he used to live in new york he used to just run his own youtube channel right and he would just do analytics on there analyzing the games posting them up and he actually i guess it came across bob bradley's attention one day just on youtube bob bradley saw it he liked it called him up next thing you know he's moving to la hired by the team so he went from like just running his youtube channel to working with the first team so i think that kind of goes to show like if you really are good at what you do and you just continue at it who knows right one day somebody may see it and give you your opportunity damn i'm about to stop doing this podcast then and start picking up a youtube channel <laughs> hey maybe that's the next thing huh show our beautiful faces on youtube exactly but it's just so it's so random that you have chicago fire colorado rapids and new england revolution uh on this list uh especially when you think about how much money they put into their club, the fact that they would actually have their own dedicated soccer analytical person. Yeah, it is interesting. The one that stood out to me was Austin FC. I get it. Like, it's new. It's good. But at the same time, it's like if this article is kind of talking about, like, clubs that are doing it right and kind of becoming superior or have a leg up, it's like, shouldn't they have at least played a game before we start talking about them? Because what about if their analytical team sucks? <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, man, ima imagine, though, like, because, yeah, if you have an analytical person and you, like, come in dead last, it's going to look pretty bad, even though, you know, you're obviously you're an expansion team. So usually expansion teams don't do well, but still. Well, it's kind of like assistant coaches, dude. Assistant coaches, the, if the head coach is doing well, they take all the credit. And if the, you know, the team's doing bad, then all they say is, oh, well, here's just an assistant coach. You didn't have the blame. Exactly. That's but why do you I think only it... stay as an assistant. <laughs> yeah that's why but do you think <laughs> in, in 2021 do you think because some people make the argument that analytics are overplayed do you think it's overplayed or do you think at this day and age with the way the game has evolved it's pretty much like a, a must it's mandatory i think it is a must i think every team should have one because it does help look dude coaches are so spread thin of preparing the session trying to prepare the way they want the team to play, looking at, you know, what players are they trying to bring in, who's injured, who's not, um, you know, and they're focused on their game plan, right? So they need somebody else to take the time to actually break down the film, right? You know, they speak. It's not like the analytics team just runs wild on their own. They speak with the head coach and they, they let them know or the head coach talks to them. Hey, this is what we're looking for. Can you find this? Can you find these tendencies of this team or in our own team? This is what we're looking for. Can you find these tendencies? Right. So it helps kind of getting that report given to him rather than him having to go find it himself, you know. So, again, there's a flexibility, though. The head coach may take it, may not even use it, may not look at it. But I think it is definitely important to have it. So that way, when he wants to show a, an action they've been working on in in practice, you know, they have film on it and they can, you know, post it for everybody to see. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's just why why not have it, you know, and it, especially because it's, it's proven that it, you know, it's it's valuable information, right? 100%, 100%. Do you think, uh, like, every team in the MLS should be required to have one? Well, I mean, you can't. Required by who? The league? The league. Uh, I don't really like like the league mandate for that kind of stuff. I think the clubs should run the clubs the way they think, whether you're successful or not, it's on you, gotcha. on you player. Gotcha. Gotcha. Nice. Anyways, man, let's, uh, let's get into our next segment, dude. Uh, which like is? we talked about, uh, you know, the news from around the world, pretty much everything revolves around world cup qualifying. We talked about how, how cool it was. Um, to have it back, especially everybody was doing it at the same time, except 
I think Common Bowl is the only one that wasn't doing it. I think they had a couple like games canceled and stuff. So. Yeah, they had a few games like actually played and a few games canceled. So um, I don't know why. Maybe there's some restrictions going on. I think they are. So they're gonna be they're gonna be way behind. So when they actually do start playing, they're gonna have to like ramp it up. But obviously, Common Bowl they don't have as many countries as everybody else. So it's you know they don't have as many games to play. Um, but yeah, you know, let's let's talk about UEFA first, so we can save our passion for Guatemala last. Um, but yeah, some of, some of the what 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 games did you pick up, or what are some of the things that you like uh, watching the UEFA uh, qualifying? Yeah, um, I did, really didn't have a chance to watch uh, the games. I just kind of watched some of the highlights, but uh, there's a lot. Well, obviously, but there was a lot that it's kind of surprising, right? Like when you think UEFA, you still think of obviously the best um sub federation right um one of the best in the world of the, all the you know between concacaf conmebol the asia uh, all those communities so it's still surprising i know obviously there's a lot of different european teams but it's still surprising that like how big of the gap between the highest teams and the lowest teams right i think what england beat san marino like 5-0 or something <laughs> like that yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because sometimes I think about, um, you know, some of the small countries in CONCACAF, like St. Vincent and the Grenadines, going against San Marino, and if that's pretty much like the same uh, competition. It, I think I would actually like to see that. I know there's no money and no one would ever pay, but that would be pretty <laughs> cool to see, like, the worst of the CONCACAF kind of take off the worst of UEFA, you know, how we always kind of, you know, say that joking uh, how were the MLS fair in the championship side in England, right? It would be kind of interesting to see would they actually go toe-to-toe or would UEFA be still better? Yeah, in an alternate reality, that'd be so cool to to, to try those things out. Um, but yeah, some of the some of the big things uh, that, that I saw from UEFA is uh, freaking Turkey, man. They're at the top of their group and they, they beat the Netherlands and uh, Frank DePore, who... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of glad he's losing because he still hasn't gotten fired. I, if he gets fired, he's gonna coach Brazil next. So <laughs> he's just gonna keep falling up, huh? <laughs> but dude, if they don't qualify, because they um, did they did they qualify for the last World Cup? They missed some some kind of qualifying. It was either World World Cup or Euros. But like, if they don't qualify for the World Cup, um, I mean, they're gonna he's gonna be in some. I mean, he, he'll get fired obviously before that happens. But the fact that you know Turkey is uh at six points and i think um trying to remember who else is in their group um but netherlands are in third place they're not even in second in that group so you know only the top two go out uh come out yeah well i what was pretty interesting is that you guys fared pretty well against sweden uh georgia only lost one nil (laughs) 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 different different guys it's uh it's a country guys i know i know relax no but what was interesting was that germany uh beat um, what Romania one nil? That's kind of a, a surprising result. You you kind of think of Romania, you don't really, off the top of my head, know of any big time players. So and Germany's obviously they got some of the best players in the world. Um, so it's kind of interesting seeing only the you know getting one goal against Romania. Yeah, yeah, true. But I say this time and time again that qualifying is gross. It's you know hardly anybody ever wins pretty, especially in Coca Cola, right? It's, it all just matters if you win. If You know, if USA beats Trinidad, it's 1-0 and it's ugly, nasty, whatever. Nobody cares as long as you make it to the World Cup. So, yeah, it, you know, it's 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 they should win by more. But at the same time, all anybody's going to see is when where, where you're at on in the group and if you got three points. Yeah, that's true. You're right. And it looks like Iceland isn't going to make it to the World Cup this year or the, in the 2022. Iceland sucks, dude. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> But kind of, Ooh, you just pissed off. What was you pissed off three billion people? I know, dude. I know. Uh, <laughs> no, but one of the one of the standouts that kind of made a big impact was obviously Portugal. You know, Portugal. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo's goal that was taken away. Uh, they were playing Serbia, right? And it was two two. Um, going into the final minute, and Cristiano Ronaldo uh, had a shot on goal that actually rolled across the line. You can. Pretty much from the angle, you can kind of clearly tell one across the line. Um, defender clears it out. Go, uh, ref, you know, continues play, doesn't give the goal. In that, I guess, I don't know why they're not having VAR, which I think is kind of dumbfounding, you know, especially at the UEFA level. So no VAR, they couldn't review it. But 
my thing is why would no VAR or why would VAR being introduced are we going away from goal line technology like you're telling me even if it barely crossed we're gonna have to spend a couple minutes looking at it dude goal line technology was perfect for that incident it goes across the line boom buzzes on the ref hands goal you know what I mean like no delay like why why wouldn't why would when everybody started having goal line technology why would we move it I, I just don't understand that so in instances like today you don't or like yesterday you don't have var but at least you have the goal line technology yeah it's it's uh it's a it was a pretty huge uh uh referee gaffe because it, it was clear you could see it. it was a clear goal and especially you know I, they're they're both still going to get out of the groups i think um but I mean, if if it comes down to you know those two points that Portugal missed out on, I mean that could be a pretty big deal. It's huge, right? And that's kind of the whole point of VAR to kind of it's disrupt huge. these, this the, uh, you know don't so these type of things don't happen. But yet they're continuing happening. Like for example, the Olympic qualifiers. It's a we'll get into it right now. But they didn't have VAR there, which is interesting because they're in stadiums in Mexico that are capable of VAR. So why not just have it if they're all playing on a neutral ground? Yeah, it's weird. I don't know if it's like a, it's a money thing and you just got to have all these people in the booths to be able to review that kind of stuff. So maybe it might just be a money thing. Cause, dude, uh, dude could just sit at home and watch TV. Be cracking open a beer, just watching. And he's like, oh, yep, it's a goal. Like what I do, like what I do at work? Yeah, pretty much. Hey, well, you know, remember in the, in the NFL, they're like, all right, we'll go to New York for our review. And Badger's the guy, he's just on his couch. He's, oh, sh- hold on, honey, they need me. Hold on. <laughs> dude, I used to love the XFL for that. Freaking XFL, <laughs> dude. The guy would literally fumble the ball and throw an interception. And as soon as he does it, the, the mic and camera are in his face. How do you feel after that fumble? Oh, well, I don't know. Like, I just lost <laughs> the ball. Yeah, yeah, now your team's down. Uh, they, they scored a touchdown off of it. What are you going to do? It's like, dang, they, they stick a mic in your face for anything, dude. Literally, in the middle of the huddle, they were there. Like, it was crazy. Yeah, that's funny. Hey, uh, Mio, how do you feel about your boy Zlatan, man? 39 years young. Man, uh, well, I mean, he's got nothing compared to that Japanese player that's 50, right? Oh, are you serious? Oh, man, he's still playing? Yeah, he doesn't play for the national team, but he still plays in, in the uh, Japanese league. Uh, I think he turned 50 earlier this year. That dude is still playing, dude. So, obviously, the, he's not he's not playing to the level of Slatan, but yeah, still out there. But if, if Slatan can make it to the World Cup, he'd, he'd probably be like the oldest player, right? I'm assuming. I'm assuming, dude. Imagine Slatan like in the World Cup still this year, tearing it up. Yeah, and I mean, he got an assist too over uh, in the qualifying game. So freak it's not of like nature. It's not like he's just taking up space. He's actually like helping his team win at freaking 39 years of age. It's pretty crazy, right? Yep, freak of nature, bro. Slatan. Um, aka LAFC's daddy. <laughs> that he is, that he is. Um, but anyways, man, let's get let's talk about uh Guatemala boss. Guatemala. Uh, we were top of the table until Curusao won, but Guatemala, two World Cup qualifying games. Yes, World Cup qualifying in the CONCACAF because we have to start way earlier than everybody else. So what is it? I think uh, six groups, right? Um, Here, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll I'll get this one. So, uh, so th- this qualifying things have changed a little bit. Um, so I know everybody's familiar with with the hex. Um, I wasn't at the hex yet, dude. Going over the first part. No, no, I know, but I want to I want to let let our let our fans know how how Coca Cup qualifying works now. So we still it's, we still get three and a half spots. Um, and we're going to have uh, six groups of five teams. Out of those five groups, the only one team comes out. And it's actually, you're not doing a home and away series. It's just a single uh, round robin, one game, and you're out. And then from there, those six teams that get through the groups, they're all going to play each other. Now that's a home and away series. And so now the previous qualifying, how we used to have the sex for uh, the hex, we had six teams. You used to now have what? Five- <laughs> Uh, so now you have you have five teams chilling, which is USA, Mexico, Costa Rica, Honduras, and Jamaica. So now those other three teams that finally make it, they will join them, and now it's an octagonal. So from there, everybody's going to play each other, and you're going to have three teams make it, and that half spot is going to play either uh, Comnable, Comnable, Asia, or the Oceanic region, which 
come on, let's go for the oceanic region. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so it's interesting because, like you mentioned, man, Guatemala has to start way early. Oh, man, we got such a long way to go. Even even to make it to the octagonal, and then it's still going to be like, uh, it's still going to be really tough. It's a long road because, you know, our we played uh, Cuba and then we played the British Virgin Islands. Um, Cuba, we only beat them 1-0. U.S. Virgin, I mean, the British Virgin Islands, um, we beat them um, 3-0. And we were pushing for the fourth because of goal differential because Gurusal is scoring a lot of goals. But even if we come out of the group first place, dude, more than likely we have to play, I think we're playing the winner of Group D, which is more than likely going to be Panama. So that's a strong opponent in itself, you know. So I don't know. We get out of this group and then we have to play Panama. And then if we beat Panama, then we have to go and play what I mean, USA, Mexico, Honduras, yeah. and all, and Costa Rica, all hey, these big teams. You say that, but right now, Dominican Republic is the top of Group D. Yeah, but did, did Panama <laughs> play their second game already? Yeah, they, they did. It's goal differential. Uh-huh. So it's just kind of like Guatemala, right? Guatemala and Curaçao both won, but Curaçao is, is up on goal differential. So it's really going to come down to the game that they play against each other. Yeah, but um, um, really, the, the next really game's quick. are until June, right? Yeah, which it's funny because I was like, I was like, okay, well they're gonna have to. Why is it not till June if they got to play everybody twice? And then I was like, oh shoot, it's only it's only one game. That's pretty crazy to think about that. Yeah. Um, but really quick, I'm just gonna go through like uh, the groups really quick. Just just the big dogs. So in Group A, we have uh, uh, Antigua and Barbuda that are in first with four points, and then El Salvador with four points. So um, most likely. You know, I saw I was going to make it out, but just for now, it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, group B, we got Canada in there, and then Sudanam is actually in first with six points. Canada's three points, but they haven't played their second game. I actually think they're going to play today against the Cayman Islands, so obviously they're going to win. So most likely Canada, but right now it's, it's interesting. Group C, we already went over with Curaçao and Guatemala, Vamos Guate. And then, uh, yeah, Group D, Dominican Republic right now, and Panama both have six points. Uh but Dominican Republic's got a plus five goal differential on them. In Group B, we've got Nicaragua and Haiti, both on three points. It looks like everybody's only played one game. Um, so I think there were some issues. But that one I think is going to be interesting. I think it's either team, right? Nicaragua or Haiti. Haiti's proven that they've been in the Gold Cup a couple of times. They have done it. Uh, Nicaragua, they just beat that team 7-0. It was kind of ugly to watch, dude. And <laughs> like Gus was saying, how badly do you need to suck if Nicaragua's going to beat you 7-0? <laughs> That's true, man. And then the last group, Group F, uh, which is pretty interesting because, um, you know, you know, obviously we 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 know what Trinidad and Tobago did to the U.S. And really quick, man, I was watching the game. Uh, and Trinidad was playing uh, Puerto Rico, and dude, the Mexican announcers had to talk about how Trinidad eliminated the U.S. So I was like, bro, I was like, no one's even bringing it up, and it was the way they were talking about it. Like, hey, uh, they, didn't they lose to Trinidad? Like, they needed like just to win, right? Like I was like, oh, these guys wow. are such a holes, bro. Wow. <laughs> but it, they didn't. It, they didn't. Way, they didn't bring up uh, when USA saved Mexico from the twenty fourteen. No right? Yeah. Somehow everybody forgets about that. But the models um, right now, yeah, Trinidad has not been playing that well. And Saint Kitts and Nevis is in first with six points. Trinidad's in second with four points, and Puerto Rico has one point. Concacaf so, um, still the hardest World Cup qualifying event. yeah but i mean for us for us because obviously you know we're you know it's our region we're both chapines and also you know being being central american you kind of like seeing how the other central american um countries are doing so you know and we talk a lot about how paywalls in 2021 are like a pain in the ass and you got to go through all these sites so i'm i mean we've we've complained about it so much how, how bad it sucks but I think for once they actually got it right because it looks like Concacaf signed a deal with Peacock, so now we can actually see these games, which is, is pretty cool because we never had that before. You used to have to go to all these like weird streams or some guy, some guy has a camcorder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you get all these different ads popping up while you're watching. You're about to get uh, a virus just to watch the games, but yeah, Peacock has got it right. Um, and it's interesting that, uh, well, I guess they're just broadcasting one language, right? Because all of the games have been in Spanish so far, the ones that I have found. Yeah. Um, it looks like it's uh, Telemundo speed. Yeah. And they're just playing it over their, but, their, you know. But I think that's good because you got to bring attention to the CONCACAF, even if it's a lower team, right? You got to bring attention to them so that, you know, that's the whole reason the Nations League was created, right? To be able to get them sponsorships and stuff like that, meaningful games. So it's like. These qualifiers were never streamed before, so I think it's good that they're actually being streamed online. You know, it may not be a main cable channel, but 
hey, Peacock, well done. Yeah, I, I agree, man. And the thing is, too, is like all it takes is like one person to be from one country uh, or to have that connection to pay attention. Because like now, you know, obviously we care about how Guatemala does. So now, like if Curacao is playing somebody else, like I'm going to tune in and see like, all right, let me see how Curacao is playing. So I know what we're up against. So you have that like connection where if it's like, oh, I, I'm Nicaraguan. So I want to see how everybody else is doing in my group when they play. So it's just like any any of that is good for coca Calf and good for soccer in general. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Anything else you want to talk about Guatemala? Um, no, just vamos chapines, let's do this. Um, but just a really quick thing before we move to the next segment. Uh, so Benito Mussolini, who was the dictator of Italy uh, during World War II, his great-grandson signs for Lazio. So I just thought that was funny. Dude, imagine bring it up. all the jokes that are going around in that locker room, dude. Well, he said that everybody's treating him well and they're just letting him play soccer, but that's pretty wild. Can you imagine like Hitler's son playing with his grandson <laughs> playing with you? Hey, you're like, hey, be careful going into the shop with that guy. <laughs> yeah, that's dude. so wrong. That's so wrong, but I couldn't help myself. <laughs> well, dude, it's it's crazy because we think of all these like dictators and people in the past, right? That we just think like their bloodline ends there. But it's like they have family still to this day. And all those people are just like very quiet about what happened and don't even want to mention that they're related to them. What would you That's do if true, you, you found out you're related to like a dictator in Guatemala? Uh, uh, I don't even know, bro. I, I, I just, I go by like, I use my middle name as my last name or something. Yeah. I'm like, hey, just call me DJ. DJ. <laughs> Oh, dude, that's pretty wild. And Lazio, huh? I wonder if he's any good. Have you checked out any videos? I haven't. He just signed, so, you know, he's probably, like, you know, still on the bench or whatever. So, gotcha. probably going to want to prove himself. No, that's interesting. Um, well, kind of going on to the next topic, I mean, there's a lot of different things that we could talk about, but the 50 best women players, uh, which uh, they brought out an article, right? And I think they said three Americans are in the top 10. Yeah, and uh, two two come from NWSL. Um, so that's what I want to talk to you about. Like, you know, obviously we have the best national team in the world when it comes to women. So Talent-wise, think, not playing-wise. So do you think three Americans only have that in top 10? Do you think that's a snub or do you think that's accurate? I don't know. That one's a tough one, like... Obviously, I'm biased. Just watching, all I really watch is the women's, um, you know, national team. So I would assume there would be more. But at the same time, maybe there was more. But as an as a website or an article, you're not going to release just the top 50 players in the world and 25 of them being American, right? So Why not? All, it's not going to be diverse. <laughs> dude. People people want all about diversity right now. Uh, yeah, I guess. But hey, but number one, Sam Ewis is ranked number one for Man City. So she's American, which, uh, you know, I guess is like the changing of the guard. Um, and, you know, the fact that you only had two. NWSL, come on, City. Come on, City. Uh, it doesn't go for women. There's, Pep doesn't. Well, maybe he does have a little bit of influence. Who knows? Um, uh, now you made me lose my train of thought. Sam oh, Ewis. No, but I was going to say, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of seems like. All the star power is gonna is in Europe now, and not so much the NWSL. Do you see that trend continuing, or do you think it's gonna kind of right itself once like COVID is over? It's it's kind of hard because you want to be around that football culture, and I think that's what the women are finding. Right when you go to England, it's soccer or football all the time. You know what I mean? So here in America, it's probably nice that they get to walk around and not get recognized as much, and kind of have a little bit more of a normal life. But at the same time, you're a freaking professional soccer player. You know what I mean? Like, you kind of want certain elements that come along with that. You want, like, to get out there and kind of be recognized everywhere. And, you know, everywhere you go, they're always talking about your sport and not talking about every other sport. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I agreed. And even there, there, because soccer is so big, I'm sure even the women get attention. Oh, 100%. Especially the dive pieces on the women's national team. Like? <laughs> uh Julie Ertz bro. Alex Morgan. I know your baby is Tobin Heath. Oh yeah. <laughs> nah, I like Kristen Press. Oh dude. 
Now, now we're gonna get. We're about to get canceled we're for about even get finding canceled, women attractive. Yeah, for I even know. finding women attractive for for um, for talking about their skills and then just saying what we like. But we'll get canceled. It's fine. Yeah, but the women do have some friendlies coming out. The U.S. Women's National Team. Uh, we got a friendly on the 10th against Sweden, and then we play France on the 13th. So uh, there's some pretty big friendlies. So yeah, it's a good uh, test I, against yeah. Sweden. Sweden always gives us a run. Yeah, and uh, they're really hot too. Sorry, I had to say that. Have you seen the Swedish national team, bro? Not recently. Even the men, bro. I'm just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... But uh, yeah, no, it's good competition. Uh, both teams are they're good teams, so it, it'll be nice to for them to play a team like of that caliber versus uh, Colombia, where they win like where, six to where, one. Where are the games? Are they here? Or are they over there? Oh, I honestly don't know, Mijo. Oh, maybe you should have checked that before you bring it up. I can't check out every <laughs> fact, bro. Just kidding, guys. Just kidding. But um, good luck to them. Obviously, uh, one last thing on the women's is that Man City fell to Bar- the women's uh, Barcelona. Three, uh, you know, U.S. women's national team players play on that. Um, it's interesting because I I was reading a bunch of articles on it. But they said Barcelona, the women, like outplayed Man City. Like it was class. Like it looked like. You know the men's Barcelona under Pep that they they truly played the positional play, truly played possession, and it was it was a really good sight to see as a casual soccer fan. So uh, I might have to go back and watch some highlights of that. Yeah, and that's why maybe it's our perspective because we're so used to just hearing about the U.S. women uh, and how dominant they are in the national ga- team that you assume that it translates over. But the fact that they have three U.S. women's players on Man City and they still lose to Barcelona, so. Yeah, maybe there is a lot of other talent out there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The rest of the world is catching up, so we got to keep going. But it's good because it doesn't let us relax, right? Right. But on and, the uh, onto their counterparts, oh, the men. Wait, 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 yeah, the men. But I want to have one more, one more happy note before we all get uh, depressed and start hating each other. But the U.S. men's national team played Jamaica and Northern Ireland. Both wins. Uh, I think the more impressive one was obviously against Northern Ireland because I think they said we haven't won a. European friendly since like 2015. I think so, we would beat Netherlands and Germany. Remember that? Yeah, the good old days. Yeah, under um, Jurgen Klinsmann. <laughs> Don't get me started. So, uh, so let me get your take. What do you think of the games? Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway is that Sebastian Lejet continues to get the start, which is interesting because obviously we love the boy. Um, he's an MLS player. He hasn't really shown for the Galaxy too much, and I think that's because they continue to play him out of position. They co- he continues having to change coaches, change tactics, change formation. Um, and it I think it's evident that Greg Berhalter sees him maybe not as a starter, but definitely as a staple in the t- team going forward, and I definitely think he has earned his slot. It's not like he just gets a start and never does anything. Scored two goals versus Jamaica. Um, played really well, but I think the biggest thing that we need to do is we're trying to play an attractive style of soccer, which is fine, but we also need to go back to the American grit, right? Under Bob Bradley, under Bruce Arena the first time, we had that American grit that even though we had, maybe you can classify Donovan as better than what we have right now still, but even though we didn't have the greatest players, it was just fight, right? That Even if we played direct, we would actually find ways to win games. And right now, I think we need to find a balance between playing attractive style but at times saying all right it's not working it's okay to go over the top you know put one over the top and let's go mm-hmm. find a goal and I, I think that even translates to the under 23 team which we'll get into in a second um but yeah i do legit these look very good very impressive um and then you know i think we're we're kind of shaky at the back i think the back still needs some work but at least offensively i mean i don't think i don't think there were any issues we look pretty good going offensively Obviously, you got Christian Pulisic and Gio Reyna, um, you know, scoring and assisting. So that was good to see. That's what you want to see from your, your top players. Um, and then what I'd really like to see is that we actually have a few forwards that, you know, that look like they're promising. So we can stop relying on um, Josie Altador for the last 10 years when he scores one goal every, like, two years. Yeah, no, I agree with that statement. In the back... Even Jonathan Brooks didn't look too amazing because um, I kept saying, mm-hmm. you know, we need Jonathan Brooks and maybe one other center back. But our outside backs are good, you know, especially attacking. Yeah, we definitely need a little bit more. And Zach Steffen, I hope he picks it up with his feet because he's still struggling at times. Yeah, you know, dude, honestly, I know you're going to hate me, but I even think Brad Guzan has better feet than Zach Steffen, bro. 
And just with that, we're ending the podcast here. Cause... Well, well, really quick, just for the folks on the forwards that we're talking about, it's Ferreira, uh, Daryl DK looked good. Um, uh, who's the other forward I'm missing? Oh, it's Josh Sargent, um, Josie Alpsler. Those guys are all going to be battling to be that because we always just play with the lone forward. And uh, it's going to be interesting who, who comes out. I mean, I, I, I like that we actually have a competition. I want a goal scorer. I want a Clint Dempsey back, dude. I want yeah. somebody with swagger. That's just ready to, to score goals. And too many times, I think we just rely on goals from everybody on the national team. I mean, my favorite striker right now was on the Olympic qualifying. Jesus Ferreira did it. Couldn't help us yesterday. And if it's all right with you, let's get into it, David. Nah, we're just going to end the podcast there, dude. I don't want to be depressed anymore. Yeah, right. That It's time to get depressed for the week, all right? Listen here. I'm going to bust a Stuart hold in here. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> Taylor Twelman, bro. Oh, sorry, sorry, wrong but one. No, but but speaking on Taylor Twelman, he did say that there was no excuse for this. So, how do you feel about that? One hundred percent. Should we qualify? One hundred percent. Especially here in the Concacaf, I think three the last three Olympic cycles we should qualify, no doubt about it. But to sit here and say, oh, the U.S. system is broken, is it perfect? Far from it. But to sit here and try to revamp it every single time there's a small little failure, we're not going to get anything, dude. The DA started in 2007. You're starting to see a benefit now. Yeah, it folded because of the whole pandemic, because they were losing money. The MLS Next is now taking over. It's fine. But, you, you know, the top, the first couple of years, you didn't see anything because they didn't really benefit from it. Now you started to see it, right? The Tyler Adams, the Christian Pulisic, the Weston McKinney's. And whether you want to say that's to coaching or just to the platform itself of DA to move them on into Europe, because that was the biggest thing about DA, right? It allowed professional scouts to come in and know they're playing against good competition. They're getting coached, you know, four or five times a week, and they're getting coached by qualified coaches. So I think that was the biggest thing of DA. And I think to come in and say, all right, we got to revamp everything. I disagree. Now, do I agree with all the coaching changes? Um, yeah, we need to do a lot of coaching changes. We need to maybe restructure the front office and all that. But we can't sit here and change everything every single time. That's the problem with U.S. soccer. France wins a World Cup. We structure our, our youth system after them. Germany wins a World Cup. We go after them. Croatia almost won a World Cup. We're, we're going to structure our youth academy after them. We can't change it every single time. We got to put something in. Wait 20 years. So 2007, you know, we're six years off that gap. That's when we should have ended DA. But, I mean, DA has produced players, dude. To say it hasn't is ridiculous. How do we go from, oh, uh, the U.S. men's national team how now has the cream of the crop. They're doing good. Now, I'm not saying they're the best players in the world, but exciting stuff to saying, you know, everyone keeps talking about 2026 World Cup. Univision commentators were talking about this. They said everyone's talking about the 2026 World Cup, but they need to be talking about the 2022 World Cup that they're going to actually go in and perform well, be able to handle their own i'm not going to say win but show well so how are you going to go from we're having a a good team at the senior team to oh everything's messed up and we're not producing anything no there's talent i just don't think the coaches got it right Ooh, you're getting hot over there i am dude i see a little, and, I see a little steam coming out from your top of your head i'll take it i'm part of the problem i love to talk about uh actually all you coaches love to talk about the u.s and that they suck and all this stuff but who's part of the problem us as youth coaches, right? If we're not qualifying, then that's our mistake as well. Yeah, screw you, Obi. It's all your fault. Yep. Hey, four years, I vow to get him back. <laughs> um, you mentioned uh, when we are talking about the U.S. men's senior team about having grit. And when we saw that game against Honduras, you saw that in the second half. Um, you, uh, so it's weird because obviously, you know, the thing that sucks is that we get compared to Mexico and obviously Mexico got the job, job done. Right. And now you can say their two goals are lucky, but at the end of the day, it's, it's whoever gets the job done. And it seems like you mentioned that, especially this under 23 team, you can kind of see in the first half, they were, they were playing pretty safe, pretty scared, very conservative. And I feel that if they would have played the way they played in the second half in the first half, I think they would have won. Yeah, 100%. But, and that's the thing. Congratulations, Mexico. Soccer is a game of luck and inches sometimes, right? So my thing is, I agree with everything you just said. If USA plays well, not even plays well, just doesn't, David Ochoa doesn't mess up, okay? And we go into overtime, we win. Are we having this conversation? You know, we'll probably be saying, oh, they got to play better. They got to change a few things. But look, they got it done. 
So it's it's literally one goal difference, and I get it. It's a huge difference. Cool. But, I mean, I was doing some research. England hasn't... I've gone back to 1992. England hasn't been in the Olympics since 1992. They were in the Olympics in 2012 because they hosted it, and they entered as Great Britain. So are you telling me the EPL has everything wrong, the championship? Should they revamp everything because they haven't made it for the last who many knows how many cycles? Now I get it. The UEFA is a little bit stronger, but like David said, it's a what sixteen team tournament. Like yeah. it, it's very difficult to qualify. I'm not making up excuses. I'm saying USA hundred percent should have qualified, but we got to be a little bit more realistic. We can't every single time the USA doesn't do anything. We we're gonna change the whole system. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous. And, you know, kudos to Honduras because, I mean, they I think in CONCACAF, they're the team that has qualified for the Olympics the most consecutive times. So that's very impressive. They're, obviously, they're doing something right at, the, at that, that level. Um, but like you mentioned, it, it, because of you only get two teams qualifying at CONCACAF, it's showing up on that, on that one game, right? So it's all how, how the game plays out. If you look at the players, yeah, you're comparing mainly MLS players to USL in the domestic uh, um, Honduran league, right? So obviously, you know the MLS, the MLS team should should beat that team, right? But because it's you're like you're 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 one step up, right, of that league when you compare MLS to the Honduran league, right? If you would say one step, just just to say it, yeah. Um, now, if you had obviously like Christian Pulisic, Wesley um, McKinney. Um, a lot of our top under 23s and then even some, you know, and this is another conversation, even some uh, uh, players that were called up from MLS where the MLS teams turned them down. You're talking about two steps above Honduras versus that one step. Having that two step is not a guarantee, but it's just securing your chances of qualifying. Now, again, I don't want to make excuses, but those are the facts, right? We talked about this before the tournament that it's the collection of next best players. So it's it's virtually how deep how deep is your bench, right? And and that's what I want to talk about is we gotta get we're gonna get to the point where our depth is that big, right? Where there because there's talent. If you look at that roster, a lot of them are playing in Europe. They're they're starting. There it's talent. So how big is our depth, right? So right now we supposedly revamped in 2007 that's when the you know u.s soccer put money into the youth system to try to produce something but when you produce something it's for your senior national team you get you get me so now they're reaping the benefits from that and it's far from perfect still but we're starting to benefit there you know all these other countries have been around for so so long that you know now they have the depth at the youth age so i'm not saying oh, we should have played Christian Pulisic or whatever, Serginho Dest on there. But we got to understand the DA or whatever youth systems we have in place have produced for the top of the of the senior national team. Now give it some years to produce for the, the lowers. You, you know what I mean? Like now, now that being said, me and David both say, should we have qualified? 100%. It's a failure. Right. It's, like, it's like saying um, the best team in the Champions League doesn't always win, right? Because if you, and not even being biased, if you ask a lot, a lot of soccer fans, who is the best team right now on paper and playing-wise, just watching, it's Man City. Does that guarantee them winning the Champions League? No. Mm-hmm. You get well, that's me? That's when, like, when, when like Spain won the World Cup, right? They scored like six goals. Yeah. Yeah, they, I think they scored goals, one the goal. Cup. Exactly. One goal per game. And that's the, that's, that's the thing about, you know, knockout games. It's just like... Yeah, you got to show up. You got to play well in the U.S. You know, they played well in the second half, uh, you know, except for that error, which was obviously costly. But if you show up in a different way, more confidence, and, I, you know, they could have took it, and we, we wouldn't be having this conversation, right? Yeah, but with that being said, it is a huge embarrassment. It's disappointing, huge. and we're going to have to wait another four years for another one, or three years now. And to, since... ma- and to, make, it, to make it worse is that, obviously, Mexico qualifies. Now, I know you don't you're well, happy. I'm Mexico, happy Mexico so... made it. So that's of course fine. You are, but for no, US, for actually, most U.S. men's fans that aren't that, uh, that aren't Mexican, it, it sucks too. That's like the hardest that. thing as a Mexican American. Uh, Mexican American, right? I'm Guatemalan. I go for USA. This is my stature, so you guys know. I go USA, Guatemala, Mexico. Okay, that's right. Um, and but I really hope Mexico wins. I I cheer for them in all competitions unless they're playing USA or Guatemala. But this being said, 
it's hard because there's a huge rivalry between Mexico and USA. And when, you know, Mexico fans, they're, they're arguing and, uh, you know, saying, oh, this is why it's better. I try not to talk smack on Mexico because I want them to do better. But then at the same time, it's like any other team. You're going to defend them, right? So it's like Galaxy fans. We're going to defend Galaxy in front of everybody. But in front of other Galaxy fans, we're going to openly crit critique them. You know what I mean? So it's kind of yeah. like that scenario. It's like I, I, I don't want to critique Mexico. But, you know, because if anybody else, say a fan from Brazil, I'm defending Mexico left and right. Yeah. But it's like, but then you're critiquing USA, so then I have to defend USA. But that being said, they should have qualified. Yeah, and, and I think sometimes, like, obviously when folks critique, there's, like, constructive criticism, like, oh, you know, these are some things you can do better. But but when it's, like, your rival, they're not critiquing so you get better. They're critiquing because they want to put you down. They want to throw salt in the wound. So it's a different kind of uh, critiquing, so to speak. Yeah. Um, really quick, really quick, and then, you know, we'll move on to the sudden death of the week. Uh, what happens with Jason Christ? Fired, 100%. No doubt about it. Really? Yeah. I mean, uh, your job is to qualify. You don't do it, fired. It's... Well, that. so what do you think the USSF would do it? I think he resigned. I don't think really? he gets fired. I mean, it's the same thing with Bruce Arena. He resigned. He didn't get fired. You know? Yeah. It, USSF has showed that they ha they won't pull the trigger when they need to. But that's, that sends a message right there. It's at look, dude, when you're in my opinion, and I was thinking about this this morning, when you're a national team coach, your job is to win. doesn't matter if it's nice, if it's ugly, your job is to win the, no matter the level, even the U16 level, the U17 level, like us, obviously in youth soccer, when you're coaching U17s like club, your job is to still help develop and all that good stuff. But when you're at the national team level, U15, U17, whatever it may be, your job is to win. You're collecting the best players to go against the other country's best players to win the game. So if you fail to your objective, then you get fired. You know, it's different if you're like Guatemala and you failed, right? So it's like, <laughs> oh, we got close. All right, cool. You leave the coach. But Jason Christ should be fired. I don't know. What do you think? I want to win. <laughs> No, it, it, uh, I agree with you. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't really know how to feel about it. I don't know if he needs to be fired or not. But you know what? You're right. It, I think it will show the next level of progression of U.S. soccer taking things seriously when there are just, you know, ramifications for a failure like this. I mean, look, dude, <laughs> I'm going to get heavily criticized for this. But one of the biggest things that I feel is wrong with college soccer even here in the u.s is that there's not enough on the hot seat moment there's not enough pressure so all these you know coaches kind of sit here and do whatever they need to do to make it you know to keep their job but if you start developing that culture from the college world into the senior national team the youth national teams you gotta win americans we're used to winning and we gotta go back to it so david give me the dud the stud and yeah yeah, I echo everything you said. But, yeah, the stud, I want to keep it on this American train. Sergino Dest, man, he is playing out of his mind right now. Two goals for Barcelona, uh, golazo against Jamaica. What a golazo it was, man. And I like – the thing I always criticize a lot of uh, the men's national team players is, is we're always so scared to take these outside shots. We're looking for, like, the – you know, the, to pass it into the net or look for that perfect ball. So, you know, I like that somebody's just like, you know what, I'm going to take a cut and just shoot it and see what happens. 100%. So, um, and the I don't dud? know if seen it, but it's a beautiful goal. Dud. <laughs> and this is this is a combined effort, but, of course, David Ochoa, but the entire U.S. Olympic team. Um, yeah. It's, and then, you know, the thing that sucked, you could tell that David Ochoa's confidence was shot after that because every time he would get the ball, he was making a lot of mistakes, very shaky. And I was like, oh, my God, you can't even pass in the bar right now. He is he is gone. He, and when you lose that, you know, when you lose that as a goalkeeper, especially for a team that, you know, because a lot of teams are using the goalkeepers now, it's 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 a big it's a big loss because you don't want to lose the confidence of your defenders. Yeah, exactly. When he lost that ball, it kind of reminded me of Brad Guzan. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> no, right. but for all, I, it, it is a dud. Uh, Jason Christ, you can throw in there, too. Um, I hope he's able to bounce back as a young goalkeeper and you know have a successful career because he did show a lot of promises. To Olympic he had qualifiers. he had a good, he had a good tournament up until that point, and he just had to play the simple pass. Too. Simple yeah, pass. Don't overcomplicate it. And sometimes you see keepers where like they'll fake the forward and cut it back and they'll get away with it. But it's like, 
why, why even risk that? Like, it's such a small reward, uh, but the risk is so high, yeah. you know? Yeah, I agree. So, but, um, yeah, you know, that just, just to kind of uh, close the close podcast, it, it kind of sucked just because, like, starting into the week, I think I, we, me and Obi were both excited because obviously you had, you know, Guatemala was winning their games. The U.S. was winning their friendlies. They just beat Northern Ireland, too. Um, and, you know, I'm not Mexican, but obviously Mexico is winning their games, too. So you just had that that Sunday night game that kind of just gut punched you. And that game almost like erased all the good that happened because obviously that game was just it just it meant a lot. You can tell there was a lot riding on it. So it kind of just sucks. Disappointing. Embarrassed. All those feelings were we're all pissed and annoyed. So it is what it is. Hey, you got everybody listening. You have till tomorrow to be sad about it. And then you get on with it and we move on. Right. Dust off. Let's go. We still got uh, World Cup qualifying coming up for the U.S. men's senior team. Um, let's get it, man. Don't forget to subscribe, like, share comments, email us, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Tweet Twitter. Them. Guys, let us know your opinions. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know what you want to hear about. Thank you guys for tuning in. Peace out. Peace. It's been real. It's been fun. But it hasn't been real fun. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check us out weekly. As always, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out via email or on any of our social media platforms. Bye. Have a good week.